1: to Troy Noon's Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons.
2: Hello! Basketball back!
1: Basketball is back indeed. Um, For those who are wondering why I sound weird, I am under the weather, but we trudge on as one does. Um, This podcast will mostly be basketball-focused today, but uh, we do want to talk about the unpleasantness sitting on the other side of the room, which is Syracuse football, albeit briefly. Dan, uh, your takeaways after uh, after a pretty rough Saturday once again.
2: Um, it just kind of furthers uh, what we've been saying for the last couple weeks. Uh, and a lot of the same problems keep on popping up with regards to the offense just totally disappearing at halftime. Um, we finally scored a touchdown in the second half, although it came you know, way late. Uh, from Zach Mahoney in, in garbage time after Dunji had been knocked out of the game, which we've talked about a lot on the site. So probably don't need to go too far into it. We all, I think pretty much everyone is at least open to the idea that Dunji probably shouldn't have been playing at the time, if not outwardly saying that was a ridiculous decision, but either way, I think it's, it it sure seems like Mahoney's going to start versus Clemson, which I think is the right call. Uh, and I'm glad that's what's going to happen. Assuming it does. Also glad that it it sounds like it might not be a concussion, um, although we don't have any way to really know. Um, but yeah, just a really ugly performance, and, and it kind of just uh, speaks to all the struggles that this team has had thus far. And I think Louisville's a pretty good team, but I don't think they're a great team by any means. Uh, not one that a team that's getting better should lose 41-17 to 17, uh, to. So not a very encouraging performance, especially a week before you play in the number one team in the country, so I guess uh, brace yourselves this weekend if you're up at the Dome.
1: Yeah, I mean, the competitiveness with Louisville, I think, no, we're not on the same level as that program, but at the same time, we have been in recent years. Um, we've been able to beat them. We've been able to stay competitive with them. I think last year's uh, final score is pretty lopsided. Um, when, when you look at, you know, I think it was, what, what was it, 28-6, to 6, and I think the, the accurate final score was probably hanging around maybe somewhere in the, you know, 24 to to 14 or 17 range. Definitely not a lopsided loss last year, Um, at least, well, shouldn't have been. And then this year, uh, to see that the tide just sort of shift so violently in the other direction, um, you know, this is the type of thing that you should be able to hang with a team like that, because if you can't hang with Louisville, um, how are you supposed to hang with Clemson, how are you supposed to hang with Florida State or LSU or whatever, other you know really good team we put on the schedule um I, I think in general you know it was it was disheartening to see Dungy in there and the excuses thereafter but um I'm glad that Mahoney's in um I thought it was a dirty hit on Dungy to be honest on that final uh play that he did end up having to leave on but you know what was done is done Mahoney's probably going to start and I at this point, as much as it sucks, I'm I'm going to be at the NC State game, and I wanted to see Dungy. Um, you know, it, I think his health and well-being is more important than that, than wins. Um, and I, I I fully prepare to see Mahoney for the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, if it was not a concussion, which, again, the only people who know are, are with the team, and he's only had the pres- – presumptively only had the one, then if he's 100%, okay, we can send him back out. But – um even if it's, like, a collarbone injury, which is seems to be what's being uh, uh, inferred, um, just there's no reason to risk it. Like, if he's 100% and he doesn't have two concussions, et cetera, then okay, we can put him out there, see how it goes, and some more experience. But if there's, like, any chance of a, of a re-injuring um, of anything, concussion, collarbone, leg, whatever, it's just it's not worth it. Um, no matter, like, who's coaching the team down the road or whatever, like – You just don't want to put him in in harm's way for a season that's pretty much lost at this point. Um, And yes, gaining experience is very important. And uh, that's like one of the things you can recoup in these 10 seasons. But you don't want to put a guy in harm's way at the same time. Um, But I thought thought it was interesting, your your point about Louisville. Um, Just thinking back, Louisville's been kind of a a barometer program for Syracuse for a while. Um, Obviously, we beat them twice at the end of the G-Rob tenure, which is hilarious. Um, but even through Marone, I mean, in '09 we lost that kind of disastrous one point game at Louisville where no one could do anything on offense. Uh, the year after was an eight point game at the dome, 28, 20, um, 2011, uh, it was 27, 10, which is a pretty bad game. Actually. That was like the one that was a pretty solid blowout for Marone. That was uh, a bridge, one of Bridgewater's first start games. And then obviously 2012, we had a, a signature win against a team that would go on to win 11 games and beat Florida in the sugar bowl. And, um that was kind of the win I think that we we all knew then that we had a pretty good team even through um some kind of tough year uh tough games before that. So uh the last 2 years definitely have not been as competitive against that program and they're they're kind of right in the middle of you know they're not Clemson or Florida state by any means but they're a good deal better than I think the rest of the uh acc Atlanta teams on a on an annual basis like they're a step up from like the nc states uh, the uh whoever else bc on a good year so i mean that's where syracuse should want to uh, aspire to get to and that's where it seems like we were heading after sweeping the rest of the atlantic in in 2013 and now we are just not on the same level as louisville uh, even in their middling years like this year which is uh pretty disheartening
1: yeah, I mean, even after, you know, a 4-4 four and four start to the ACC was great. And, you know, we've talked about this, that, you know, it, Syracuse is going to lose four games, win four games every season. And what it does in those swings are kind of, uh, you know, what decides the rest. And that season we went, I believe it was either 2-2 two and two or 3-1 and one in those swing games. Um, well, it was 2-2 was two and two in some games, but the, the exact opponents escape me at the moment. Um but, yeah, you look at a season like that, that was um, that was something that looked like we were going to build upon it. Uh, even last year, uh, we hung with NC State, um, despite having a lot of our reserves um, for, for almost that entire game and, you know, what if, could have even potentially, you know, tied it uh, come the end of that uh, once we started, you know, getting our heads on straight with the onside kick and the offense was suddenly clicking. So I think in general, um, you know, it would stand a reason that if we can compete with NC State year in and year out, that we can compete at least <coughs> Apologies, uh, with Louisville. But yeah, we're uh, we're falling short, and I think while falling short against Louisville at this point isn't necessarily surprising, what it'll be telling is if we, we fall short uh, by a large margin um, against NC State. NC State obviously is already bowl eligible, but as we've discussed over and over, um, there's plenty to doubt there. Um, I think they're a bad team by any means, but um, if they end up winning seven games or so this season, I think it'll mostly be a farce.
2: Yeah, and, and that's where we'll try to see where we are. I mean, those are two, um, NC State and then BC are two pretty good and And, um, you know, we we talk, last year, you can kind of throw a lot of things out because of the injuries. This year, we've had I'd say a pretty average amount of football season injuries. So it's, it's not something that we can just hang the season on and say, Oh, another, another lost season because of really awful uh, injury bug. Obviously there's hunt, but I think most of us believe at this point that Don is probably at least equal to, if not better than hunt uh, or what we expect out of hunt. So I don't know that that's a great excuse. And otherwise, like we've had the amount of injuries I think that you can expect in a normal year versus last year, which was just abysmal. So, um, yeah, I mean, if they bounce back and put together some nice performances against uh, State and BC, or, or even keep it like you know reasonable against Clemson, then maybe we can start to uh, to speak a little. Um, we could be a little happier about how things are shaping out. But the last couple of weeks have just been so disheartening, especially because every game starts out where Syracuse looks like it has a pulse. It's not like we're getting blanked out out, out the gate. Um, even when Florida State had that big. Uh, the big touchdown to start the game with the embarrassing missed tackles. Like Syracuse bounced back and stored a bit in the first half, but to, to every week have uh, an okay to promising first half and then and just totally disappear mid third quarter and make it very apparent that you're not going to win by the fourth. It's it's a tough one to sit through every week, and um, I, I don't think you can really blame fans for getting fed up because it's it's the same, you know, it's the same play every week. It's not like they're even losing in, in different and exciting ways. Yeah,
1: I think I saw a stat that has Syracuse led in every game this year. I, I want to say there, that was that was a stat I saw hanging around, and and if if it ended up being one, then I, it's very depressing for SU fans because I mean, no, we weren't going to beat LSU or Florida State, but you know what? Like all these other teams. Jumping out to a lead, even if it's uh, you know a three nothing one, um, it's a good start. It's a step in the right direction, and it's one that um, you know a, a team that's growing and improving needs to build upon instead of just fall back on. Decide up oh, like did our job here. We scored on you know our first two red zone tries. Now let's you know leave it up to the defense.
2: Well, I mean, we probably have. I mean, I'm trying to think if we led in the LSU game. I assume we did early, right? Or did we score first in that one? I can't
1: recall. That, that's the only, that's the only game that I know for a fact, that, that I don't know for a fact. The rest of them I know for a fact we led at one point.
2: Yeah, I can I was there. I should probably remember, but you know, things happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, this isn't a team that it's like last year, uh, they played teams tough, but we were so undermanned in terms of injuries that, you know, you can kind of excuse, uh, excuse the team for getting, getting down a bit. But, um, this year it's just i mean it, it's it's really it, it's so it's so depressing cuz you keep on getting sucked in uh like halftime you're like okay they're playing pretty well um they can't continue to come out and not store in the second half like that's an end eventually and then just never does so hopefully they they get off the schneid maybe Mahoney has some walk on magic uh this weekend and puts together a, a decent um somewhat and en- heartening performance going into the last couple games obviously a, a win is probably too much to reasonably ask for but um it would sure make for good internet thought so obviously we'll, we'll we'll all be back on our tvs come three i'm guessing i don't think anyone's going to not be watching because we are gluttons for punishment and uh unfortunately diehard fans to the end here
1: and the rest of the country is too because it's on abc
2: yeah go blues that's
1: won't even get into that uh you don't want to be in trouble no I, i honestly like it's not even that like i think that and everyone who's been on the site today knows like you should be honoring veterans and active military there's a lot you can do there i'm just not sure if wearing all blue uniforms is it especially against another team that likes to plant their flag as orange um wear the orange that's our actual name um we have an all orange uniform I wouldn't have been opposed to us wearing it against Clemson and forcing them to do something else. Um, I mean, out of, out of sportsmanship, we probably wouldn't have worn um, orange helmets if only because um, Clemson, I don't believe, has other helmets. Um, but, yeah, for us, I, I, don't really, <coughs> I don't really see why we'd concede the kind of brand war uh, to Clemson and, by default, you know, Virginia Tech, Miami... Um, as well, it just seems to me like, you know, you have a golden opportunity on national television for the second time in three years to to wear a lot of orange against a team that prides itself on orange like we do, and we're wearing all blue.
2: Yes, we are. Um, at least it's a nice gesture. At least we're not doing it just because we're stupid.
1: Oh, completely agree. That that That's the, the one saving grace here, is that... At least there's a purpose behind the all blues. Um for those who didn't notice, it's uh, the uh, dress blues that they're going with uh to honor the military, it's a Veterans Day tie in. Um I am hoping we see a little bit more promotion wise, um, in terms of like whether it's, you know, donations to veterans or something else tying in with Fort Drum or whatever it is. Um I would like to see the the promotion, you know, lead to more than just jerseys, like let's let's go for a little bit um toward VA or whatever it is, but Alas. Wait, do you
2: think we're actually gonna well I hope you're not insinuating that we'd actually sell these jerseys. I mean
1: Th- that that wouldn't happen. That would be one idea, but that's not gonna happen, so <laughs>
2: especially yeah. like considering they have like the uh, actual ten mountain division patch yeah, on them, like, which is really cool. Like I, I I didn't notice that at first, but um yeah, it's, it's there's you know, I am I am glad that anytime you can honor the veterans. of Syracuse does do a lot, which is cool. They run out with the ten mount division flag all the time and they have the the kind of modified double battle axe thing going on, which I think is a really cool logo for us. I love that um, logo. Yeah, I wish it was on more things. Um, Everything. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, wearing all blues and plums in is, is a bit silly in one hand, but it, it did fall on Veterans Day week and, you know, if you're going to do it, that's the best time to do it, so I get it.
1: Oh, very much agree. And while I don't have any specific URL or VA to support, I would highly recommend uh, either volunteering your time or volunteering uh, any money you have to spare um, to help out veterans, and it's definitely a worthwhile cause. Like I said, I'm sure SU is going to have similar messaging all around the stadium um, this weekend. For but sure. On, yeah, but moving on to other things, because this is a basketball preview episode, uh, we're going to be talking hoops. So, Dan, Syracuse won its first two Um you know, exhibition games. It's not really surprising. We do that more often than not, um, except for the like once every ten years we lose to Lemoyne. Uh, so. And when we lose,
2: we end up having our best team in a decade. So.
1: Also true. So, <laughs> where Lemoyne? Where are you at? Um, yeah, we faced uh, we faced Florida Southern, and we faced who else did we face? Lemoyne. Oh, and we faced Lemoyne. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I blanked on that probably because I have a cold. Um, So, yeah, went 2-0, shot a lot of threes. um, Scored mad points. Yeah, tons of points. Again, these aren't, like, the competition we'll be facing all year, but, um, you know, Jim Beheim, especially in recent years, has used these exhibitions to try out things that, you know, he wants to implement in either in uh, whole or part during the season, and it was nice to see, um, you know, the team get really, really dedicated to, not just shooting, but hitting threes, um, especially from, from Michael Benage.
2: Yeah, it, when when Beheim said he wanted the team to shoot like thirty threes a game, uh, I don't think I was alone in absolutely not believing him. And uh he by judging by these two games and obviously they got more open looks because they were playing the one and Florida Southern, um they shot twenty eight versus Lemoyne, hit fifteen, uh or no, that was free throws, sorry. That that's that was <laughs> Both are really so bad what is free throws. Wisconsin. No, they were twelve for thirty-two from three, which is also pretty good—thirty-seven and at a half percent. You'll sign for that every day. And then against uh, Florida Southern, um, they shot uh, fourteen for twenty-nine, which is just ridiculous. So I don't expect that. But if this team's shooting in the thirty-three to thirty-five percent range, and they're not, and they're and they're shooting thirty a game or like twenty-five a game, I mean that's that a team that's going to give a lot of teams trouble, especially when you match it with a zone defense that even when it's not great, it uh, it gives teams problems because they're not used to it. Um, and you have, you know, hopefully some development from Dewan Coleman, who, who could put, uh, potentially be a really nice low, po- low post player that a lot of teams don't have. A guy like Tyler Roberson, who has come along in, in Spurs last year. He His two best games were against Duke, so it's playing that. Like, he has some legitimate talent. Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting team. It's it's going to be unlike any Syracuse team we've had in recent memory, and that excites me. Even if it's not like as good. Um, I think we've had some pretty uh, drudging, uh, slow-paced um, teams that you know won a lot of games but weren't pretend, uh, the the most fun to watch in the last couple of years. Uh, this one should be totally different. And I don't know if the results will be quite as good as like 2013 or or the regular season in 2014, but I uh, I think that uh the fact that Beheim is, is conceding mean, that this is the way this team needs to play, I trust that he's going to get the most out of it too.
1: Yeah, um I agree. You know what? Like this is like you're right I feel like every five years or so, like, Syracuse has like a hard reset um in terms of its style. Um and I think this could be um the beginning of something really entertaining, especially, you know, since Based on the current timeline, uh, Mike Hopkins would be coaching the back end of this five-year stretch. Uh, if we could potentially be setting ourselves up for. Um, I know before this, it seemed like we were really uh, defense-heavy, and then uh, the five years before that, it was incredibly offense-heavy. And you know, kind of peaking with that that great defense and great offense team um, that West Johnson was on. I, I think, you know, what like. This is this is a cool identity for a team. It's especially in the ACC. I don't feel like anyone really has this um, as their shtick. I think a lot of teams, uh, Miami in particular, have really adopted um, our style of play um, and Pitt's style of play and the Big East uh, style and, and kind of grit and grind um, has become, you know, a big identity point of, of ACC basketball. Um, and you could thank Virginia for for the you know polar opposite side of like I don't want to watch it basketball, but um, Syracuse could really differentiate itself by playing really solid defense and, uh, and shooting the lights out uh, from three. Even if they hit 35, um, you know, I, I don't see them hitting. I don't see them taking 33s a game, but if they're going to take 24 a game or so, I mean, I'll I'll gladly take that if they're going to hit it at a 35 percent clip.
2: Yeah, and honestly, just looking at the players on the team, obviously there are going to be guys who don't have the best every time out, but there's just enough shooters on this team that hitting, you know, even if you just want to put a raw number on it, knocking down eight to ten threes in a night shouldn't be that crazy. Um, I mean, obviously, Richardson looks like the real deal. Um, Beheim is, like, absolutely fawning over his ability to shoot the ball. Um, But then you have guys like, uh, I mean, too many we know, Cooney, some nights he's going to hit eight and some nights he's going to just be totally frustrating. But um Joseph looks like he's shooting the ball better. Benajay obviously shot the ball really well last year and looks to be building on that um on a consistency basis, which will be nice. It, Lydon, we haven't really seen uh, too much of. He was two for five last game. but um, And even Franklin Howard, who wasn't billed as a great shooter, uh, has come in and not to double down. So it's just, there's not going to be very many times on the floor where at least four, three, uh, at least three, if not four guys can really step out and, and really hurt you from there. Um, and that's dangerous. I mean, if you've watched, uh, some teams in the past, um, obviously this is kind of a wild example because the, the personnel was so three point geared and the Syracuse team is still a pretty, you know, athletic power five team. Um, that Creighton team a couple years ago with Doug McDermott, like every guy on the floor could step out and shoot a three, including the center. Um, obviously we're not going to have Daywon Tolman standing in the corner and, and popping jays, but uh, it's going to be very hard for teams to just key in on Trevor Cooney and take him out of a game. And if they want to do that, that's fine. But you're going to have two or three other guys on the floor at any different time who, if they're open or don't have a green light. So it's, there are probably going to be like two or three games this year where Syracuse is to not hit a shot and it's going to be maddening. But Otherwise, I think that this could be um, a really hard team to game plan for, especially because I'm I'm not sold that we're not going to be a pretty good team uh, at storing from the mid-range and uh, around the basket as well.
1: Yeah, you know what? And it was a, it was a familiar trope a couple years ago, um, the Final Four team, where everyone was complaining, like, who's their go-to? Who's their guy? Who's the one who's going to take that final shot? And at the end of the year, a lot of times it ended up being uh, Michael Carter-Williams, but you know what, like, th- that team's strength was the fact that, that you couldn't just key in on one guy, and I feel like, um, you know, last year's team in particular, uh, you'd be keying in on one guy. The team before that with Ennis, it was the same deal, like, you can key in on one guy. This team is is, is young, um, but they're fast, they're athletic. Um, there's just a lot of players that you need to account for, and even better, there's an actual bench um, that we can rely upon and, and, and count on in some key spots. I mean, not even, you know, diving into the guards alone. I think, you know, a lot of people identified, uh, you know, kind of the paint is a place we might suffer on both ends. I'm not sure if we do. Um, I mean, it's not to take away from Rocky Christmas. I think he had one of the uh, better and more beloved careers um, in recent memory at SU, but you know, when you have Coleman back there, when you have uh, Leiden back there, who potentially plays some time at center, uh, when you have Chino Iboko, who I still stand by comments from a couple of years ago that you know, he's probably the better one of the better, if not the best rebounder on the team. Um like those are three guys if you can you can use them interchangeably. Um and they all present some different uh, you know, matchup issues. I mean if you get a game plan for Coleman, that's great. Um you're gonna have to deal with his size and his increased athleticism in recent years. Um but then you look at someone like Iboko or someone like Leiden, guys that are um, you know, a little bit lankier, even more athletic. Um, you know, physically Leiden, uh seems like he uh he's he's able to handle the ball a little bit better. Um, You know, you really can't decide, like like last year, okay, we're just going to lock down Christmas, shut down the paint, and then this team's going to have to beat us um, shooting. And this team, I think, A, could beat you with shooting, and, and, you know, B, could actually, you know, just keep switching guys in. I mean, we said last year the big issue not having Coleman was not having those fouls to give. Um, Well, now we do. Um, and again hopefully just everyone stays healthy uh, we should be able to exploit a lot of teams here
2: yeah and it, and it will be interesting to see how much we end up doing with that small, small lineup with liden at the five um i don't expect it for much more than like 5 to 7 minutes a game but he can give he's valuable because he can shoot the ball um he can play three positions and he uh you know i don't think in the acc this year there's no able to for there are going to be some Counted post guys. Um, I don't see a couple be on you, and now see reloaded and inevitable they are quite good, but you don't have one guy who's just gonna death ball on the block, and it's going to. He's in to score like 1.7 points per shot. So um, I think we can more get away with without a true center on the court at all times, which is key because I don't think we're going to get much more than 25 minutes for either uh, 20 minutes, but.
1: So Dan, want to to bring us back a a minute or two just to just to regrab that point. I don't want to I don't want to miss it, and I feel like since we're going to be going back and editing this anyway, it's all good. Uh,
2: yeah, so I was just saying it's it's cool that we have a head coach who, despite in some ways being very stuck to what works, especially with the zone, um, that he is willing to kind of tailor the offense to his talent, especially after a couple of down years. Uh, despite being, you know, what is, what is Bayham now, 68-ish? Uh, so he could easily just roll the dice and, and, and just play the way they've been playing, but instead they're doing on this radical shift from year to year. And uh, I don't know if that has to do with Mike Hopkins taking a larger role or, or uh, and, and maybe having a little more input or or what, because he's officially taking over now um, as we kind of suspected, but now it's it's kind of set in stone. Um, but it's nice. Like I don't I don't think that every coach uh, of Beheim's age would um, would be willing to make such a radical shift. But I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the greater college basketball world takes notice because it's going to look like a much different team, um, where a lot of teams are are pretty stuck in their identity from year to year.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very important distinction to make, and it's something like you know we kind of loaded a lot of praise, um, you know, onto uh, Mike Sheshevsky last year for kind of adjusting his, his recruiting style on a dime and his a lot of his coaching style on a dime. Um, w- what I want to commend Beheim for is really like doing so much, so much more on the on the style front. I think that's really, really you know, encouraging for us as SU fans, you know we weren't like super nervous about this move to the ACC but i think that there was a certain element of you know what happens next uh to the move um and in that regard i feel like we're uh we're adjusting nicely and we're we're going to be setting an identity for ourselves even if it's a new one um and think it starts under Bayheim and then you know moves to to Hopkins after that
2: yeah and and obviously that's uh one of the nice things with this kind of hopefully seamless transition is, is whatever we do in the next couple of years and the talent that the team has and is bringing in, especially next year with Ty's battle and Matt Moyer. Um, hopefully whenever Hopkins does take over, if it's in the, the three years or if it's sooner or a year later or whatever, um, I assume it'll be right around that if it's not exactly what Beheim laid out. But um, I, I just think uh, it seems like the situation he's going to be stepping into is going to be about as good as, as you can hope as someone taking over for a legend. Um, obviously there are big questions uh, because it it fails so often, but um, it's going to be really intriguing. And I, I look forward to seeing how these last few years shape out because um, obviously bayheim has been on this chase for a second title for a while now, and we've gotten really close at least three times since the Tarmelo team. Um, and, you know, with, with the last three years in the horizon, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he just does, you know, obviously he doesn't want to do anything that'll hurt the team, but we might just try like literally anything that we can to, uh, to, to win it all, whether it's a, a giant style change or, or just going hard after some of the, the bigger players, uh, where maybe we would have kind of backed out year, uh, a little earlier if Dukes or Kentuckies were, uh, looking like, um, they were to lock it up. So, uh, it's, it's a very interesting time in Syracuse basketball. Um, as it, as it has been pretty consistently for you know, at least the length of time I've been a fan. Um, but definitely looking forward to it, especially after the football season we've had. It's, it's always nice to flip the, flip the, uh, the script here. Um, and storing you know, 96 points a game so, through two exhibitions uh, definitely helps. Very much agreed. Um, why don't we move on a little halftime.
1: Uh, Dan, what have you been drinking of late?
2: Uh, Well, I got back home last weekend and went to one of the better beer spots in my hometown, Uh, waiting for the the Untapped app to open. Um, But there were a couple things I had. Uh, Post Road Pumpkin by Brooklyn. Um, One of the better pumpkin beers, I think, uh, that I have had a decent amount of times, which is nice. Um, There was also this, I didn't have a full one, I, I tasted it. I think it was by Vita. It was a chocolate white, which, um, I don't know. It was, uh, it was definitely interesting. I don't know that I, it quite nailed what it was going for, but, um, it, it was, uh, it didn't taste super chocolate. It was, it was pretty bittery, so there was definitely some cocoa in there, but, it, I don't know. I don't think it quite worked. Um, and then there was, and I, for I, uh, untapped is, is killing me right now, but there was, uh, a beer from, oh, here we go. Um, it was a combo, a combination, uh, between two of my favorite breweries, actually two roads up in Connecticut and evil twin who brews out of two roads often, um, because they don't have their own brewery. Um, it was, uh, called the geyser Dose. Uh, it was really, really one of the best beers I've had in a while. Um, really light, really crisp, kind of had, uh, some like apple something like honey, not, it wasn't a fruit beer, but it was, it was definitely had those, those flavors, um, incredibly drinkable, uh, and just really, uh, really nice blend of, of really, just really nice, not overly sweet, um, just a really well, uh, well blended beer, I thought, so that was really nice, enjoyed that, um, so those are the three main ones, and I also had a, a lot more of the electric peel, which I've had a couple times recently by Magic Hat, which is which is growing on me for sure. Nice. Um, on this end,
1: uh, was down at Beachwood um, over in Long Beach. Um, I know some people are familiar, others maybe not. But we uh, had a bottle of Melrose IPA from them that came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's kind of one of their one of their staples, along with Thrill Seeker, which I also grabbed a bottle of. Um, that was excellent as always um we had a Pioneer uh, Pilot Batch Stout for a Beer Camp Across America for those who grabbed the uh the Sierra Nevada Beer Camp box a couple of years ago um they're coming out with another one next year um, and this one's gonna have like different teams arranged by region uh, so this was the uh the California group that put this one together or maybe it was the Southern California group I think it was Southern uh California group um yeah, so they were, it was Beachwood, um, Society, uh, I think Lost Abbey, Smog City, I think there might have been one or two others um, in on that one. So it was great to kind of, you know, get a taste of, of, of what's to come. Um, had some Ultra Hop 2000 from Beachwood, uh, just an IPA from them, uh, it was draft only. Had one that, uh, that you might find interesting, Dan, though I wish it was better, uh, Funky Pumpkin from Boulevard. It's a pumpkin sour
2: I feel like I, I haven't had that but I feel like I've had a pumpkin sour elsewhere um definitely seems like something that you know two kind of uh in things that I don't know that they quite go together but um I mean I'm always fine with people taking a shot and Boulevard usually usually does really good work so yeah I can't say I was blown away but it was passable for what it was um
1: so enjoyed some Monsters Park from Modern Times, uh, it's their Imperial Stout, um, and some Port barrel Aged Sucra from, uh, the, from the brewery. It's their old ale, uh, but aged in port barrels. And I do love port, so this was perfect. And what else did I have? Oh, and then I had, uh, well, no, I feel like I mentioned this one. Did I mention Death by Coconut last week? Probably.
2: Uh, I feel like you have in the last couple weeks. Um, there was definitely something coconut. Yeah, that was probably it. All
1: right, so that's uh, that's all the booze for me. So moving back to the team, uh, Dan, I think we're both in the mindset that uh, the Jim Beheim not going to have to serve a full nine game suspension. That's ridiculous. But um, if he should have to, what do you expect from from a Mike Hopkins
2: led team? It's it's so hard to know. I, I don't expect it to look a lot different. I think, um, Beheim will have him well prepared for you know just how he goes from day to day. And, and Beheim is is fairly hands off um, during. I know Hopkins generally runs practice for the most part, um, and obviously Beheim kind of does limited stuff with film. We we all know he just kind of uh, he's he's almost spurrier esque. Like he he puts in preparation, but he he doesn't buy into all the exact same things that like the normal basketball coach will. So I think Hopkins has been around for so long. He's been on the staff since what, like 1996, not maybe before that five, four, like he's been on the staff for, for 20 plus years. Um, I'm not overly concerned about a real harsh adjustment in uh, like kind of the broader things now in terms of, of individual choices um, plays being run and whatnot uh, it's tough to tell. I I think, um, I think he'll do a nice job. I'm not overly worried about it. I think he's, he's well-groomed for the situation and it is interesting to see how his demeanor is and how he handles post game. I think those are the things that we're going to see, um, most directly because it's not like, you know, plugging a new guy at offensive coordinator in football, um, and seeing like, oh, he runs this play and this play every so often. And it's a lot different than the last guy. Um, basketball obviously there's are going to be a little the changes are going to be a little more subtle so i don't think it's going to be anything that uh is going to jump out on us but i think the more of the demeanor things and how he handles kind of the uh the public part of it is going to be interesting uh, i expect him to be a lot different than bayheim in those respects
1: yeah i think that's the fun part for me um it's not that i want to see jim gone it's that you know it's just going to be interesting to see i mean it's been so long uh since someone else besides jim has a. Uh, has been in charge of the program that you kind of find it hard to assign the character trait to su basketball besides like curmudgeonly um, belovedly so but curmudgeonly nonetheless um, yeah it'll be interesting to see uh, Hopkins is a little more um, a little more light um, obviously like a little bit younger just seems like he's a little bit more fun with it um, It'll be interesting to see you know how he uh, how he addresses the media um, and then I mean, especially I feel like we'll know a lot more if there's a couple of losses uh, versus a couple of wins. just um, you know just how much of the the, the classic gym temper that uh, that Hopkins inherited. I have a feeling not much either way, but you never know. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see the interaction between Hopkins and the players um, in particular, um, in game versus uh, the way they interact with Jim. I feel like there's limited conversations with Jim during the game, all initiated by Jim. Um, I feel like with Hopkins, you might see a little bit different, um, a little more, you know, two-way conversation between between uh, players and, and, and coach.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny because his personality is so different um, from Beheim. And it almost does seem like at times there's kind of a good cop, bad cop thing going on where Hopkins you know we'll talk to the player after Bayheim gets done with, you know, chewing him out or whatever. So uh there will be di- I I think we're going to have a lot of fun with just uh watching the bench and just seeing how how different it is and who fills what roles between Autry and J G- and Mac and whoever else. Um I I expect lots of fun reports from people at the dome since we'll probably miss a lot of that being uh watching most of the games on TV. Agreed.
1: Um so, I guess going a little bit into predictions, um, I guess what's one unexpected thing, um, generally that, that, that you could see happening this year? And that could cover any player, team, or, or, or whatever.
0: Hmm.
2: That's tough. Unexpected thing. Um, here, I, I actually, I wouldn't be shocked. I think Benajay will lead the team in minutes, but I think, uh, I almost think Roberson will be very close behind. Um, I think Roberson feels, he's just so different. Like, we, we spent a lot of time talking about all the shooters in this team and how interchangeable they were. Um, Roberson might be the best pound-for-pound pound rebounder on the team. Um, he is more of an inside offensive player, and he's you know he doesn't have that consistent offensive game, but I think he's going to be really important for, helping Coleman on the boards, um, which is always a struggle out of the zone. Uh, and I think he's just going to fill a, a very interesting role because um, his still sets really, uh, really different from, from the Benajes and Cooney and, and everyone else who is mostly going to be on the perimeter. Um, so I think, I think he, uh, and I, we, we have a preview going out or no, I think we already did the, uh, the sidekick to Benajay. I said, I, I thought Roberson was going to be, you know, if he's not the second most important player on the team, I, I think he'll be out there a ton. And I think he'll do the little things because so many other guys are going to be primarily point scorers or or filling these other roles that are very obvious. Um, and I would excited to see him develop because I thought he had like kind of an understatedly really good season last year. Um, and obviously, Rack got most of the attention, rightfully so. But uh, I think he'll make a really nice step forward as a junior.
1: Yeah, I think we started seeing the foundation for that last year, which is great. Um, You know, we always, SU always has that that guy who makes the leap. A lot of times it's a big man, but uh, sometimes it's not. Um, Roberson at the time seemed like a little bit of a relic to the the previous, you know, kind of five-year run of of, of really defensive-focused basketball for SU. But I think Roberson can really provide kind of a nice change of pace, uh, can help slow the team down when necessary. Um, and, and keep a lot of young kids um, in check. I know we haven't had a team this young, I feel, since probably like, jeez, maybe oh seven, oh eight, um, and a lot of that was based on some injuries. Um, so yeah, I, I think having a veteran presence um, like Roberson uh, does have a lot of value um, for this team and for a lot of the you know you know younger guys um, and younger big guys. Um, we could do something for SU. Um and Dan, looking at the schedule, um, and some of these questions are gonna sound a lot like the uh the ones that we were answering in the roundtable, because some of them actually are the ones we answered in the round table. Um, what's the one game other than Georgetown and Duke that really uh really excite you?
2: Um It's. I mean, there's a Wisconsin game, which I think uh, is exciting. Obviously, it's not Wisconsin last year or the year before. Um, They'll probably take a step back, but it's always nice to have those out-of-conference games. Um, I think the one that we're not guaranteed of, but obviously would really love, uh, a possibility of playing UConn on November 26th down in the Bahamas. Um, Obviously, that could very easily not work out, and we could be playing Michigan for like the 1,000th time recently, but... um, UConn's like that one huge rival that we haven't with. I'm sure we have figured out with based on all of these other games that we have scheduled with the series at St. John, which should never end, and Georgetown, which hopefully lasts for a long time, and we played Nova a lot. Um, but obviously, as a Connecticut resident especially, uh, UConn holds a, a place in my, my hate-filled heart. So I will be kind of like weirdly rooting for them and us to both win and, and – Get that matchup at 9.30 on that Thursday night. See, in some ways I'm rooting for them, and in others I don't really care.
1: I um, wouldn't mind facing Michigan just as well, if uh, only because I don't want UConn to have nice things, and them losing to Michigan means that they uh, that they lost a very early game. Um, I saw them ranked amongst a lot of different polls, um, and I, I just... I never like to see it because any UConn team hanging near the top 25 is a UConn team that could potentially go on another miracle run to the NCAA tournament. So again, don't want to see that. Um, for me, a, uh, a potential game outside of Georgetown-Duke is probably um, probably the North Carolina game um, if this team can really uh, can kind of do something outside of when the game's it's supposed to win. And I think. Um, I think a team that, that wins the games it's supposed to win can still win 22 games or so um, in the regular season this year. Um, I, I want to see them against North Carolina. I, I think it's going to be a very interesting game. We have a lot of tough games on the road this year, um, and I think that that, uh, that especially where it falls in the season. Um, second to last game, th- there's a lot potentially riding on it. Um, we might still be looking for a signature win at that point. Um so, yeah, I, I think that that's the game I'm most excited about, because it's a big Monday matchup, too.
2: Yeah, we should invite Mark Emmert to that game and, like, trap him. Just UNC you, you and SU fans in solidarity and just, like, bury him under the stadium. I think that's a plan. Will Jimmy have to stop? Yeah, we never said this, if it happened. <laughs> we had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I'm going to get a knock on the door. Um...
1: Dan, looking at the schedule, um, where do you see us finishing non-conference-wise, um, and then what are some big wins you could see us potentially grabbing um,
2: in conference play outside of the ones that I think we're all expecting to get? Um, well, we, we answer this later on, so let me try to pull this up and stay consistent. I think I had us uh, at twenty-two and something. I think I had us at twenty-two wins or twenty-one wins for the season. Um non conference I I I think we're 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 too young where I don't expect us to run through that tournament all the way cause there there's some tough teams there. So I expect us to pick up a loss there and I think we'll probably split the uh Georgetown, Wisconsin uh back to back. It's a brutal stretch, right? Uh from the end of November to like the first week in December. All those are gonna be three games in a row. So um I actually don't know really what to make of Wisconsin. I know Georgetown should be pretty decent. Um but I was I was being kinda of conservative and I'd say we'll we'll drop two of those uh and win the rest. Obviously St. John's looks like a disaster right now. I'm not too worried about them. And then the rest of the non conference is pretty uh you know, standard Syracuse, you know being over it's probably overblown. People say that, you know, Washington is part of uh our our fan base, I guess, which is probably true, but we'll deny it because it's a road at Georgetown. And then the Bahamas is going to probably be in like the Long Island sound toward to the dot So that's fine. Um, but overall, I think it's a pretty nice group of teams. Uh, I think uh, even the, the kind of unsexy matchups are against some other teams that have done, you know, some things in the low major uh, camp recently, Lehigh has been pretty good. St. Bonnie's has had a couple of good years. So, I said, I said, we'll, we'll lose two games. Um, and I could very well be, uh, going a little bit, uh, conservative on that. I wouldn't shock me if we only lost one or, you know, for a long time this team seemed to lose any non-conference games, like from my freshman year till I think 2013, when we lost at St. John's, I think we like lost maybe one, uh, we lost like the Cleveland state half court. heave, and I think that was it. Uh, yeah. So, um, we've lost a couple more since then, but, uh, I think one or two is probably the upper limit.
1: Yeah, I, I think two is probably fair, and I, I think you know if we end up facing Gonzaga in that uh, that Battleford Landis final, I think that's a you could pencil it in as a loss. Um, anybody else, I think is up for grabs. I mean, the other side of that bracket is pretty stacked with garbage. Um, I mean, it's Texas, it's Texas A and M. That's not to say that uh, the Chalk is Smart's not going to fix Texas, but I don't know if it's this year. Um, not really buying a And M at all, um, and then Washington, which they don't really matter. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like our toughest tests are going to be on our side of the bracket, um, unless you know Gonzaga is waiting for us. Um, but I could see either way, um, even with a with a bit of a break, we get what five days um, between that final and and the Wisconsin game at home. I still think that. You know, we might be in for a little bit of a letdown there, even if we win the whole thing, just because of, you know, a lot of travel, more than normal. Um, so I can see us losing the Wisconsin game, even win or lose in the Battle for Atlantis. Um, and then the Georgetown game, you know, I, I, I think this team understands the, the importance of it. Um, there's very few of them that were there for the last Georgetown game, um, but I feel like there's enough of an edge there
2: that it'll play to their advantage.
0: Yeah, I mean, they'll hear about it,
2: and I think probably the only one's Cooney, right? Will there be anyone else?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it might just be Cooney.
2: Because Cooney was on that team um, that beat Georgetown, the C.J. Fair dunk, and then obviously the last regular season game was awful, which I was at. Uh, Cooney was on that team because he came off the bench for Brandon Trish after Brandon Trish got fouled out on, on what was it. So... That' we see Bayheim like I'm sure he'll he'll mention something to the young guys about the Georgetown rivalry but uh hopefully we get it kicked back obviously for the fans it won't be an issue I think it, it feels like we were just playing Georgetown so um it almost is weird how long it's been um but I, I'm really excited to get it going I wish that team was on any other Saturday in December it's on the worst one it's on championship Saturday for football oh, which man. means I cannot make the trip down to DC but uh I know a lot of Syracuse fans will be, so that's very exciting. Obviously, we, we always turn out well there. Too true. Um,
1: yeah, and I think, you know, like going into the conference schedule, um, Dan, would you would you consider either, a win in either of the first two games surprising? I know that we're not necessarily worse than either, but two road games to start after a tougher non-conference schedule. ACC obviously did us no favors here. Um with, with a short time frame between the tough trip to Pitt and then what is it tougher than normal trip to Miami?
2: Um, I don't think either one would surprise me. Obviously Pitt is Pitt. They always give us trouble. Um, I don't think they're supremely talented, but they just play that style that gives us so many issues. And then Miami, um, they played us really close the last couple of years, even, even the first year we were in the ACC when they weren't very good. Um, I think Larenka is a really good coach. Uh, they play that. That'll be an interesting test for the three point shooting because, um, they play so much zone now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they stick with like we do and three or if, they man or if we go over it, like we see, you know, teams do most every so often. Um, but they're also super long, they're, they're an interesting bunch. They're, are not quite as athletic as the normal Syracuse teams, but they, they definitely profile similarly. And you can see that Laraneg has taken a couple things from Bayheim here and there. And obviously we know like he had like Bernie find him in and teach the zone and whatnot, which is always a funny wrinkle that gets brought up and makes people feel really awkward. But um, I don't think either of those teams are, I mean, Miami, you can't really count out. They're expected to be one of the better teams in the ACC. Uh, I'd like to think we get a split in those two, but um, not an easy start, especially with, with Beheim potentially serving that suspension to kick off the uh, the season with those two road games.
1: Yeah, and you know what? We kind of end with those two road games, too. I mean, the end of the schedule, and the schedule in general, is pretty rough. I mean, there's some tough games with Hopkins around, but, um, you know, season closes with, uh, with Florida State at home, at BC, at Louisville, um, Pitt, NC State, at UNC, and then at Florida State... Um, so we get a pretty early senior day against NC State. Um, NC State's been a bit of a thorn in our side uh, lately. And then you know what? Like Again, no favors. The uh, At UNC and at Florida State, two teams could also be tournament-bound uh, to end the season. UNC might be the best team in the country. Uh, don't like to see SU uh, come off a bunch of losses heading into the ACC tournament, but that's that might be what happens here, even to a better Syracuse team. This could... Yeah, you could suffer one injury. This could be five straight losses before you get to the postseason.
2: Yeah, and I think I don't. I don't even think it would be like. Obviously, you never want to lose five games in a row or, or like four or five or anything. But I think the ACC is super deep this year. Without having seen a game, obviously, I think on paper um, there's only a handful of teams that aren't like at least tournament contenders. Florida State could be really, really good. Um, they have some really impressive players. They brought in a couple of uh, really talented five-star freshmen. Um, like the, this, the ACC schedule is not going to have walkover games really at any point. So, uh, this team, even if they go nine to nine in conference, like they'll be in really good position to make the tournament. I think as long as they don't totally like bomb out in the ACC. So it, it's probably not going to be a year where we're going to win like 30 games, but, um, I think the ACC is going to be as as deep as it's ever been um, this season. Maybe not have a team like Duke at the top, um, and I don't think Virginia will be quite as good as they have been. But I think at least ten or eleven teams will be pretty pretty tough to be uh, on any given night.
1: I think that's a good assessment. And I know like one team everyone seems to be glossing over is Wake Forest, um, a team that's really seemed to improve only in you know a couple years under Danny Manning, and I do see them eventually making the leap. They might still be a year or two away, but I think they're going to test a lot of schools um, that head down to Winston-Salem. Uh, but Dan, looking at, I guess, the full season, uh, do you stand by what you said in the article? Um, do you think there's any chance that this team gets past maybe the second round of the Sweet 16?
2: Uh, I think I had us in the Sweet 16. Obviously, it's it's total um, just kind of throwing, th- throwing darts. But at this point, we don't know. What's and how things are going to play out, but I think this team is very talented. I think uh, it's going to play a very unique style that will give people problems. Um, obviously, Syracuse uh, can always surprise teams in the tournament with the zone, um, and I think they'll be very battle-tested. So I-, I had us down for the Sweet 16. I think that would be a really nice year for how young this team is um, and would be a nice stepping stone to a team next year that – Obviously, don't want to put this team behind us already without having played a regular season game, but I think uh, I think we'll look very scary at the end of 2015-16, um, heading into the the following year, um, because I think we'll have a, a number of very nice wins under our belt. And uh, I think I had us like a five seed, so I think this will be a, a fun year, uh, not a dominant one, but. Um, I think we'll be one of those teams that people are picking to uh, to maybe go pretty deep just based on name and, and style of play and, and just kind of uh, as a fun group.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. Um, I know I had us losing the second round. I think we're probably around a seven seed. Um, not 22-9. Um, I guess it really just depends on the matchup game, um, come the ACC tournament, how far we go. uh based on the record I saw, I saw us facing Louisville, um, in that first game in the ACC, which obviously would, wouldn't would really do us any favors, um, but a seed in the tournament, you know, it's not really a, it's not a great spot to be, it's also not an awful one to be, um, I think you, you catch the right two side, two seed on an off night, um, tapping us, um, in that game, in, in the 3-6 game, um. So yeah, I, I think that there's there's a potential there. Uh, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if they were a Sweet 16 team, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, if they were two and out. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think it's an interesting season because there's interesting expectations. Um, I don't think we've had expectations like this necessarily in a while of just, like, yeah, you know, we win two rounds, great. Like, we have great nucleus to build on. Like, we're doing some great things. Um, we're, we're in the middle of some change, so, you know, I'll accept some building blocks. I think that's it's weird for SU fans, but it's not something that we should really be scared of. I think, um, you know, we're not cratering out like like Indiana did at one point, like even UNC did at one point. Um, we're just kind of, you know, we took a step back, and I think we're going to take a nice step forward um, to potentially an even bigger one forward the next year.
2: Yeah, and uh, since I'm sure we're close to the end here, I'd like to shout out the Syracuse men's soccer team. nothing winning it's you know, went Clemson. They're going to the uh, ACC championship against Notre Dame.
1: Woo! Take that, Clemson! Uh, we're going to regret this later, I right know, but
2: and, but this is, and it this looks is, like we oh, no, we wore white. Wore white.
1: <laughs> we wore white to beat Clemson, <laughs> obviously.
2: Of course, because
1: get beat Clemson when you're orange. Um, that'll close us out because uh, I'm just fading from a health and wellness standpoint. Um, Dan, thanks as always for joining.
2: Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, and, and don't don't die, don't die on us. We have basketball coming up.
1: Yeah, I uh, you have to make it. Oh, I, I have to make it so that I can die during basketball season, I guess. Uh, <laughs> all right, that was Dan. I'm John. Uh, thanks for listening to Troy Doones and Absolute Podcast. Uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on Blog Talk, on iTunes, and yeah, go Orange this weekend.
0: Go Orange. <laughs> At Jared.